Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 616. Hopefully you guys have had a great uh, day. I know I have. i got another great guest for us this evening, uh, Best Friend Farms. You want to tell us how you're doing and, of course, where they can find you? Hey, I'm doing pretty well here. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I'm I'm up here in the beautiful state of Maine, hanging out up here. So, um, yeah, kind of having a later night session. It's uh, go ahead. Sorry about that. That's uh, that delay thing. <laughs> uh, it's the delay a little bit. Yeah, it will it'll even out here in a second. Um it Maine is a beautiful state and uh, it is a little late over there. So I do appreciate you uh hanging out a little bit late and uh getting to know me a little bit, getting to know you rather. So uh thank yeah. you for hanging out. Thanks for having, yeah. Happy to do it. Do some later sessions once in a while here, you know. So happy to be hanging out and um yep, just you know, popping seeds and making a bunch of hash and, you know, we haven't stepped into the outdoor gardens yet, but got the indoor full swing, uh, all organic, of course, kind of picky about our soil around here. And, uh, anyway, yeah, smoking some, some good hash and some flour right now. And I don't know where you want to begin or we already kind of did. But happy to talk about, um, you know, kind of whatever as far as I can wing it. I mean, I guess I'm second generation uh, cultivator. And, you know, even my dad used to make some hash once in a while, not the way we do it now. Um, but uh, I'm 42. I just turned 42. So I got back here to the East Coast five years ago and started this. Uh, cannabis farmstead off of off of basically raw land, a clear cut, and just kind of went went to town. There was you know started with a road in and a light depth greenhouse. My dad helped me set up a humble light depth kit that I I had shipped out here from out west, and I had a tent next to it, and that was the start to this land. Kind of potted even ported water from the town office here in Mount Vernon in in town. They let you you know grab water. So before the well got punched in or running water to the light depth, you know, back of the pickup truck with a cube in the back and uh, kind of started there five years ago and built it up from that point here to probably about a half an acre um, operable 20,000 or so between the hemp and the cannabis canopy right now, kind of split deal, quarter acre to each one. Yeah. So we jumped a little bit ahead of ourselves, so we will back up a little bit here. So you said you were smoking on a little bit of hash and a little bit of flour. What kind of flour? What kind of flour you got? Well, I mean, I'm stuck to this shoki mask of mine that is something I bred, and that's what I've been just like digging on lately with the same hash or hash rosin right in line with it every day. It's kind of my go-to. Um, that's some gas mask that I made uh, a couple few years ago headband times kosher kush times mac 
and it was a kosher Mac male uh, pollen from a friend that was from the first release of that, uh, I guess, of collection of Mac. I had, when I when I got it from the friend, I hadn't heard too much about it, um, but it was off the first release, and it was, a, I guess, a strong dude, and it met the kosher kush cutting and a couple others too, but that was the one that I retained some pollen for for the project that I made. Um, hit the headband, came up with really good results from even just a few seeds. And then uh, I added the Shoki from the Swamp Boys on there, the Lime Kush GMO Triangle Kush Skunk 1. And kind of came back into it to the mask from there to the mom. So I've been doing some back crossing into back cross four getting laid out soon here. I just did three indoors over the winter. And uh, testing the progeny from like a small, even a small trial of, of 10 seeds or so, 10 or 20. And kind of try to stick to even on the F1s I'm breeding of uh, trial testing a 10 pack of seeds or two. You know, like something that I would have either purchased, given, donated, or maybe eventually uh, released for sale. Like most likely this year even do something. So I'm trying to see... I want to make sure or find that I want my breeding to show me that I can find and people could find a keeper out of 10 or 12 seeds, you know, be stoked with it. So, yeah. So I think I found this Shoki mass, you know, that I'm smoking now though, honestly, out of about 40 or 50 seeds, you know, like 20, 25 girls have run to pick this one here. Anywho, sounds super gassy. Sounds super very. Gassy. This one sounds delicious. It's yeah. gassy, and then this one has like a um, skunk one kind of thing, a looser structure than the mom, and it's got a little bit of a kind of like pukey, skunky GMO kind of thing to it. But it's definitely got that skunk one characteristic. It's got very big fat resin heads. Um, you get a really big like you know, double drop in the, in the 120 micron set, even over the 90 for this one. And a lot of ours are pulling fatter head stuff too, actually, um, fully matured. We don't do much. And if I do any fresh frozen stuff, we're, we're all air dried, um, you know, still for now anyway, and have been for a while. So doing air dried and all the stuff's fully mature. <clears throat> where I'm letting it finish. I'm not cutting it down early and I'm letting it uh, dry properly and cure properly before we wash. So then air drying for the finish, uh, two weeks on the, on the air drying after we wash. And the whole thing takes quite a lot of time. It's a different product, obviously more traditional lines, even to the rosin will be often, the, I guess, a drier, more cured product. What are you smoking? Well, you definitely know some, uh, some, uh, something about the hash, that's for sure. I'm smoking a little bit of a silverback gelato bread by Grower uh, uh. One, which is uh, on the gassy side as well. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's as gassy as what, in, uh, what you're smoking, but uh, I think I'll hang out with it tonight. <laughs> All right. It sounds good. It sounds good.
East Coast is all about that gas too, you know, like came back here and it's just gas, gas, gas. So kind of what I come from and I'm happy to go into the, <laughs> into the gas, happy anyway. So you like to start this off, kind of get a feel for uh, what set the passion off for their cannabis journey. So if you don't mind sharing, when was the first time that you came across the plant or uh, used the first time for it? Uh, if you don't mind sharing, that's where the journey usually no, kicks off, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't mind at all. I mean, it was, I would say 1995, 94, 95. And kind of started getting into my even personal love relationship with cannabis, um, 15 years old, you know, in 95 into 96 that spring, I was my first uh, cannabis planting, first plants rather, you know, three plants that I started. Um, I actually started from seed too back then, you know, those days and being a you know, younger teenager didn't have the access <laughs> in general, even anyone really to, to clone stock and plants available. So it became, you know, some swag seeds retained from some tendies, you know, which we call tendies, the pretendica out here. And then had some, you know, green bud seeds, which would be some local homegrown that popped a few beans. So, you know, I geek out and label them of whatever, some type of label and start up my little, you know, under desk lamp and then into dad's cold frame, get busted by dad, you know, even though, you know, he used to grow and he, and I'd go into it and no, I don't grow it here. But anyway, I kept doing it, kept doing it anyway, and, and had a few plants go out at 15 and the first plant in the back of mom and dad's house. And I just kind of repeated what I knew from growing up. My, my, some of my earliest memories were my dad bringing me out to his patch out back and I just remember always being you know buckets of compost you know buckets of, of uh, water out to it so I kind of bucket teched it with some compost from the pile uh, three plants out back two of the plants died one made it and it ended up being a male so that's the funny thing is is the male it showed me the male plant the first time I ever grew any cannabis plants and I guess from there on, it was also became aware that it wasn't just a female plant. And that kind of turned me on to the breeding coming from seed originally with it and knowing seeds from farming and growing up. My parents both being at home organic farmers for our food, personal food through the year. And uh, yeah, so that kind of like that was my first grow mission. But really, my turn on to it goes back even um to like eight or nine years old when my cousin passed away from cancer. We were both the same age and he had lymphoma. And I believe when I came into like first hearing about California's Prop 215, right, whenever it turned early mid 90s there, um, you know, right before I started kind of growing, I, I just, it blew my mind to hear that something could actually have helped him out, you know, that it was beyond what I saw happen with the chemo and the radiation you know, taking his life away from him. And just the idea of anything that might help was enough to, I was sold. I was literally just like, the teachers couldn't tell me different, you know, nothing, the system couldn't tell me different from that point onward. It kind of locked in just a real, real permanent bond with this plant. And uh, it, it all comes uh, really from that, you know, the, today even. 
my cousin Travis. And yeah, so deeper medical meaning for it. And I, I do enjoy it fully too, just lightly and deeply both. That's awesome. I uh, definitely appreciate the generational farmers. And that, that's something I do talk about a lot with uh, things becoming more and more legal. The hopes of that becoming a dream for myself and other cultivators as well. Man, I can't wait. Well, I'll never see it. You know what I mean? But I would love to see someday there be a sign in the yard as we drive by and see now as a generational farm, you know, hundred year farm, generational there yeah. cultivating cannabis would be uh, super amazing. So I, I greatly appreciate that it's already a generational thing for you. And you know, if you make it, uh, you may, you're making this difficult already because you you're way ahead of the game at this point in the story already because of uh well kind of the generational thing uh again with the organics uh kind of upbringing as well and then with the early on cancer kind of angle with it too uh kind of changes my tactic on how we talk about tonight because usually those things happen in different phases and it isn't necessarily until later in life that people appreciate the plant and it sounds like you've you're way ahead of the game here because and again i kind of talk about that the, the cultivation side of things is some of the most impact most impactful part of the medicine to be honest with you and i think that's where it kind of changes from recreational, even if they're using it as a medicine, you know what I mean? Once they kind of start cultivating it for itself, for themselves, that's when it really becomes a passionate thing and they really see the medicine uh, tenfold, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah at, th at this point, you're way ahead of the story, you know what I mean? I'm sure at this point, you've already realized a lot of this, so. I can appreciate your your early on upbringing with uh, in the story so far. It's given me some roots behind it. I I appreciate those roots too. And uh, it's different day. A lot of fear in the generation before us through Reagan days and everything. So being able to talk to you like this, uh, go on hash church and you know join up with people and enjoy celebrate push the knowledge for the plant together in the culture is really like a huge thing i even tell my dad about it he's kind of blown away you know living in the shadows with it more before and then uh you know i guess kind of they, he said he started where i grew up at, in 71 so this year makes just over 50 years between us kind of together you know doing it so it does mean something kind of deeply to even be able to bring it back to dad he doesn't watch or jump online with much or anything but i get to tell him about some of this stuff we're doing and and it, he loves it you know the idea of it just kind of never could imagine that it would even kind of get to this point honestly you know he didn't ever see it coming so so that part's been cool and um definitely just feel like i'm learning from the plant myself though all the time still that never it doesn't go away you know the relationship deepens if you let it kind of thing is what's been happening 
hence the name of the company. A lot of it, best friend farms, those plants really been like a best friend to me through, you know, just a close relationship to it where I can actually, in a way, really, truly kind of relate much easier and better on a level with plants and dogs, you know, than, than always with humans. So, um, I'm very thankful to the plant uh, for many things and including like the introspective quality and the internal conversation that I can have without words, you know, um, has been really big lately. I can definitely feel uh, a tighter relationship with the plant uh, for sure. And, you know, I, I've always had a special relationship with the plant, even more so it stepped up, like I said, once I started cultivating it. But even deeper, um, this last couple of years, when I started to take the organic side of things more seriously, you know, uh, that's when a lot, a lot more doors opened up for me and I my relationship with the plant definitely deepened at that point, you know, and it's kind of weird that it took organics to kind of do that. Like I said, I had a nice relationship with the plant before, but once you bring the organic side of things into it and uh, it, it definitely changes, you know, you and your relationship with the plant. Yeah. It simplifies things while showing how how necessary a good routine of health with whole diet and good clean water, the organic thing being a whole whole ingredient kind of diet or living system for the plant um, has done a lot for me too through that connection with my own health actually has gotten a lot better from the organic that, you know connection and life for the plants paying attention to um a living thing with what it needs and not forcing things onto it is i i like that about the organic um side of cannabis and or of plants in general for for you know a i guess like a overall well-being of the plant having what it needs and being able to reach for it being the idea like to the organic that we're running here too with a lot of the compost tea open up i'm going you know, with a good fungal, um, an inoculated trays, heavy mycelium kind of growth on the fungal batch teas every couple weeks into the flower zone, fungal teas, and allowing the, you know, breakdown, um, chelation, go down of hard amendment to actually be able to be broke down properly and available to the plant as it needs it. I'm finding how to get the continuum for their health where it's lacks nothing wants for nothing but not being force-fed anything kind of thing a good continuum um you know finding great health for the plant that way to all the way to the end for vitality and you know pro still proper kind of leach into its um, good taste and quality great burn and and clean clean taste by the end of it while still remaining very healthy intact vigor showing even in the plant till the finish for the most part and um kind of versus even some of the other stuff maybe not versus but perhaps a little different from some of the philosophy of like heavy leaching heavy flushing with the other side of growing 
you know, into the plant kind of die off at the end to just leach off of the salts and such as much as can be. So I'm liking the quality of the organic as a, as a connoisseur and a, a appreciator of my medicine first is the other thing. I'm definitely the judge of quality besides the testing that we pull and stuff, even with it is, is my own use first, my own liking first as kind of like a cannabis geek and, <laughs> and giving it the seal of approval. Um, you know, the dank method is what I call it, what we call it around here. So if it gets the, the dank method seal of approval, then that means it's good for the people. You know, what's good for us is good for our fellow humans to enjoy. And uh, yeah. The breeding goes right in line with that too. Right so. So has it always been organics? Even with the organics upbringing, uh, we always kind of get tempted sometimes for what we might think might be an easier route. <laughs> so did you ever sway a little bit or did you stay true with the organics? That's funny. I've been very true. It's funny you asked that. I thought about this today earlier thinking this might come up in the talk if we go to organics of like, it's funny you say that or ask because I, I consider it earlier and I really, when I thought about it, I've only been led astray from the organic work. Um, geez, one time only that I can really remember once or twice and both couple times, if even a second time would have been while being younger and working for other farmers. You know, even when I first went out to um, Northern California, I actually, I went out there around 05, 06 and right after i got my college degree here in maine for english at the university of southern maine i put myself through school and right around 25 or so i decided i'm i'm gonna go pursue what i've been doing along the whole time um with the cannabis that i'm loving and i went out west and when i first got out there i know in the first year even of being out there um the person i worked under too or with there um, that ran the farm owned the farm was heavily organic and is now too very much very conscious organic but i know same thing like you said it kind of um, maybe led astray in what could become type of philosophy with some indoor off-grid indoor out there and i was running some of the gardens with the person and it went to that kind of bottle fed stuff i don't remember what it was but i i do remember it being a failed mission i'd say that it was beautiful living soil for one thing um, it was an inert medium and I don't know anything really about hydro, but I, I understand that it would have to be more corrected pH balance, things more dialed in, in terms of control with those, uh, synthetic bottle nutrients being used. And I, I do remember, unfortunately, but it was, it was kind of failure in the mission compared to even the organic way that that person knew more. And I just discussed at that point and said, hey, this is not my world myself. And I know this little bit about it, which we're not doing. So um, I'm better off to run organic, you know, and I haven't looked back since then. I, and that's one of the only times I can recall actually, you know, trying to use anything but organic. And then I guess just tuned into organic the whole time have, have been refining the process as we go for sure. Um, I don't branch out into anything too funky or, you know, too new day or anything that's like more related to other plants and other parts of the world, even, 
you know, techni techniques. I'm kind of keeping it very I, heavy compost base, man. You know, all about the compost and kind of raised on compost, good compost and geek out about it here and um, essentially compost tea fed. And, you know, we we uh, turn our soil over, you know, thing even indoor, just pull the root ball and go again. Refurb with some mostly compost, a little bit of fish and a um, little casting and go back in again. And uh, yeah, anyway, so not too much knowledge in the other side of cultivation of besides organic. I can appreciate that. I uh, first you staying true there. That's awesome, man. Uh, a lot of people takes a lot the learning curve a long time, myself included. I've definitely been through the different realms of different mediums, soil, cocoa, you name it, I have been through it and now back into soil. But I didn't appreciate the soil when I was in soil, if that makes any sense. If you can, I'm sure you yeah. can understand that. It was like a one and done back then. All it mattered was what that bag yeah. said. And, you know, I look back at all these years of dumping soil and not, and I just like, oh, especially now that I've like taken, taken organic seriously and, you know, trying to find my, my, my way as a proper steward and growing and, you know, in my place on the world, earth anyway, in the world anyway, you know what I mean? So I kind of look back yeah. and go, oh, man, but uh, I can appreciate all somebody learning. like yourself for staying true. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all learning curve. I, I thought a little further about it, too. When it really comes down to it, it comes down to what, you know, it comes down to the dank and how, how good, you know, the quality is. So I would even kind of ask you, have you found that now that you're back into the organic method more and seem to be loving it or enjoying it anyways are you finding the herb to be more enjoyable from your organic grow um versus the other side of things or, or the quality are you finding to be like you know because that's what speaks to me and keeps me going with the organic too it's just really clean run the herb itself and the hash from it have just really true clean good quality with the right cultivars, you know, phenotype chosen at least for sure. Um, seeing the smoke results being just really, really better than any other things, even that I'm trying once in a while, you know, I'm kind of stuck to my own anyway, but so I don't range out too far, but I'm happy with the organic quality and wondering, are you finding the same with your grow? I have definitely noticed a lot of pluses in taking or being back in the organic side. Uh, first and foremost, the thing I noticed uh, about being back into the soil and completely organic was plant structure. Because um, I brought, it was kind of reintroduced in the garden through the show, to be honest with you. A good friend of the show, Mr. Smiley's Gardens, who handles the more organic side of things on the channel here, uh, had been growing 
organically since the time I had met him and had been crushing it. You know what I mean? And had been talking organics and was nice enough to put me together a couple of earth boxes and go, all right, well, you know, here you go. You know, you want to take it seriously, here you go. And I did a side-by-side, all, all the same strains, uh, Julie Bean, some in cocoa and some in the uh, earth boxes there. And what I noticed right off the bat was plant structure. You know, the ones that were in the earth boxes were bushier plants, uh, structure, all in general, all the branches were much, much thicker. Uh, yield that round was, it actually had kind of kicked the cocoa's butt. You know, it was almost oh, two wow. to one. There, there was a flavor, you know, definitely a flavor, not, I don't want to say increase, but there was a, definitely a, a difference in flavor there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, obviously, you do know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. cleansiness of the smoke is definitely, you know, there's something to be said about just making sure you've got a nice clean water and, you know, not having to worry about pH as much or the flush. I heard you mention the flush earlier. Uh, yeah. The, the less frequent watering. So there's, there's a ton of things I like about being back into the organics, to be honest with you. And, you know, yeah. what another thing, too, that uh, that round um, dispelled a myth for me, and that was uh, the, the time it took for uh, organics was is usually misconstrued as being a slower growing method than cocoa. You know what I mean? And here I'm a, in Michigan. I'm a caregiver with uh, five patients and was running a perpetual, a perpetual harvest. And the cocoa was nice because you could up pot, up pot, up pot because my space, you know, uh, it was always going from a solo to a one, to a three, to a 10. You know, that's basically the rotation because of space. And I've always heard that in organics, you, you know, you pretty much wanted to start in a big pot and let her, to, you know, go. And because of space, I thought, nah, that's not, I can't do that here. But what I learned in that round was I did up pot, up pot, up pot, and then threw her in the earth boxes and it kept up just fine, you know, if not a little bit better than what was going on cocoa so totally dispelled all that so to answer your question no, no. i'm very happy to be back in there again that sounds right on man i'm stoked to hear it so similar situation caregiving here to myself um you know since i've been back here for the five years or so and um in a rotation of up pot up pot into big bigger plants, you know, going into the run for plant count that we have here actually was a shift from uh, the West Coast where <clears throat> I was running organic out there too as well and even raised beds with a, you know, a short, uh, not very deep soil bed and screen a green, see a green, plant per square foot method actually indoor and in the light depths out there before I came back. So it's been an adjustment back to larger plants, but I, again, yeah, with organic, you know, they're going well in really good soil. They branch well, the structure's there, like you're saying, nice and thick going in. So 
Um, we got a good continuum going for the up potting, cycling into, you know, new container into the final finish. And, um, yeah, I find the same thing. It's, it's nice to, you know, I haven't thought about flush or a pH check and I don't know since when years and years and years and not since I've been back here, not for years before I came. And, um, I do, we test the water here though. So we got beautiful water in Maine, Michigan too. I would kind of assume, you know, you guys have at least access to really good, plentiful water. And that's a, that's a kicker, man, for good cannabis. It is coming from out West and Southern Humboldt to Trinity, Sonoma, back to Southern Humboldt before I came out here. What a difference for water. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, it was kind of scary even out there for water. And then back here, it's just a plentiful resource that is even and mostly taken for granted even just because of how much water people are used to having here all the time. Um, so I've been really stoked on the clean water, ran testing, and we're at like a 6.2 pH naturally, and the water just by test results looks pristine, just about pristine. Um, and then soil's really good out here in Maine too. I would share that as well, like have some really good help with some soil formulation from um, some organic, you know, folks that are actually have been taking care of the soil needs for my family too, and people in the area for a long time. So get great help there for pro just professionally built organic certified soil and uh, a lot of good resources. The topsoil in general in Maine, yeah, probably into Michigan more too, is really, really rich, fertile, um, sandy loam in the valleys and river valleys and um rich topsoil so really good natural natural soil for farming even outside of formulating uh, good soil good water shorter grow season out here um but you know we're growing all doors so fields full sun under full high tunnel greenhouse full term and light depths too and then into indoors so just keep it moving all year though we keep the medicine going all year whatever door it has to go in. I can appreciate you moving around in your growing journey as well, man. Nothing, nothing that uh, like hands-on experience and each, each place is a challenge all on itself. So which has been your toughest area to grow in and which has been your favorite area to grow in so far? Well, it was actually really tough, tough grow scenario on the on the piece of land that I was at before I came out here in Southern Humboldt. It was actually more of like a northwest sweep um, for exposure. So it didn't get the full sun all day, you know, Emerald Triangle type dream that you hear about. So I was kind of like, you know, got by where I could with the scenario that I had at hand and i did well with it it actually you know that goes it kind of like taught me a lot the the adversity to, to out there with between you know like the pocket of a, a lot of thick woods timber around and then the cutout in the middle the exposure not being the best i had to deal with 
you know, um, powdery mildew, botrytis that would come in and it really kind of honed me in on what, what strains and what types I could actually um, run with out there that were some were resistant, where some were not. And I have it better out here for the grow, even in terms of like the sun grown comparatively. This piece of land that I came onto out here is beautiful. And, and the season's shorter being Maine, but I just beautiful piece of land I came onto. And I get great early morning sunrise, <clears throat> you know, exposure um, almost all day into sunset with a little bit of cutoff on the later portion on sunset. So I'm at like a direct anywhere from 12 plus 13 even to, you know, 15 hours, 14 even direct kind of thing. Uh, middle of the yard for the on time and just really good um, airflow, which I was explained. Someone who was from Virginia came up here and we talked about the garden. I showed them around. They explained that a big component to successful farming or agricultural venture into land in Virginia, they phrase it as uh, air drainage. So we have wonderful air drainage here, known as like a, a windy area in the foothills between the Atlantic and the White Mountains here at about like 600 plus feet. And we just have air moving all the time, which is can be kind of frustrating for the humans and the dogs, you know, with the constant wind chaos, but it, it, energy, but it's it's very, very good for the plants to breathe that way all the time. It never really doesn't stop much and it's become like a microclimate here in a way for a beautiful cannabis terroir hash terroir out here um, even compared to where I was farming you just have to learn to extend the season through what we're not heating houses yet but if we were to either mix light or heated houses and again I I just work around it between indoor light depth full sun kind of thing to be able to just keep growing all year no matter what Well, I definitely uh, appreciate uh, all that. So did you have to do anything to get started there in Maine to get rolling? Uh, as far um, as like prepping the land? And I... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, everything from the... There was a road in. I had to like, you know, have help cutting a road in, like I was saying, with a... You know, dad helped me put up the light depth and and camping in the tent when I first got out here. And um, yeah, just went from there one step at a time, punched the well in. Then I got the, you know, the pads, you know, formed after the road with the slab down for a 3000 square foot steel barn that I have here. Um, you know, and just like one piece at a time, the living kind of came after the plants being taken care of that still kind of happens you know i only occupy i live in my barn with my i grow you know and live together i've got kind of a nice little apartment set up on the side of the grow you know on on the on the view out to this you know the, the property the ranch view and it's only 750 square feet of the 3000 so i think what i'm occupying like a quarter um of the of the footprint for square footage for my living my two dogs and i but otherwise you know um the rest goes to the plants 
and I'm just one thing at a time. I, it's, I'm at about 12 acres cleaned out here um, of movable property that's been cleaned. So it's a 77 acre parcel that I, I, I got onto very cheap out here too is the other thing compared to us just mega cheap back and not anymore. Things have all very much changed, inflated beyond double um, for value, which is good. But, you know, um, glad I got it when I did. Picked it up really cheap, but it was a messy, messy clear cut. It was, it was messy. Like none of the Mainers or the families around that used to even own the land here wanted to buy it after it, after it was cut because of how messy the, the job they did. And they took all the valuable timber which is what a lot of the old Mainers, most of them even, um, that's how they quantify value for a piece of land in, in terms of longevity value for family land would be you know, valuable white pine or hardwood on the land. So for me, when I picked it up, it was actually geared towards even advertised for people farming. You know, it's a great starter, starting farm property that was already semi-cleaned out and, Anyway, I kind of agreed and caught on to it. And it's been a lot of work, a lot, a lot, you know. Um, I don't think in my lifetime I could do it again. I probably could, but it, it would be a lot. It, would t it took a lot to turn raw land into something this workable, livable in five years. Very happy with it and tired from it, <laughs> you know. And, um but very rewarding and just like really, really good move between um, the land, the soil, the water out here for, for making this medicine for the people, for us, has been good. That's awesome, man, living the dream. I can appreciate you uh, being right there with, with the gals. Uh, that to me is the dream. You know what I mean? I've met a few yeah. growers or I've talked to a few growers that actually have, have at one point or two live in the greenhouse with their babies. And I couldn't yeah. think of anything that, that, what a great vibe to have that natural sun come, you know, wake you up in the morning and you know, that nice fresh scent of cannabis in the air in the morning. I can, yeah, I can, I can appreciate it. Yeah, to be honest with you. yeah, much. me too. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. So uh, you were talking earlier about the wind in the area. You know, I'm a, I'm honestly a big uh, proponent uh, or advocate of stress and uh, or stressing your cannabis plant and uh, wind being one of my favorite uh, stressors for uh, stressing cannabis. And uh, you would think because turps are, are volatile that they would burn off in a heavy wind, but I think it's quite the opposite, that heavy wind and shake actually makes a more turbine uh, bud, a real, real stinky, stinky flower. Uh, and uh, high in THC, to be honest with you, that constant sway is always working and stressing the plant. Uh, it, it might not equal into taller, larger plants, but right. uh, beautiful plants nonetheless. Yeah, very dense and good sun and a lot of wind. 
like you're saying, not stretchy, lanky, reaching for the sun type of thing, at least outside, you know, um, but very much like a dense, um, properly formed, really kind of like sturdy plant too, you know, with all the density and the flower formation as it should be. And I even find, yeah, that stress in, um, or environment rather, you know, kind of more harsh environment for wind and sun, even when they're early seedlings, like this time of year, as I'm starting them on the south end of the house in the apartment here, um, I'll move them right out back on the south end of the barn. It gets really warm out there. Um, we get the dump out of warm exhaust air from the indoor and it's beautiful sun coming in south end reflects off the barn and just stays like a warm pocket back there anyway. And I, I pop them out, right, you know, tiny, tiny seedlings, not even out of the dirt yet, you know, this time of year and keep them out on the back table and then bring them in at night and kind of thing like my mom even used to do, you know, with their little seedlings and stuff and get them acclimated, get them into the even the earlier, the better if they're going to be outdoor plants. And that wind will, you know, like really heavy wind, heavy sun kind of thing early. You got these really sturdy little plants with tight spacing a uh, thick foundation stem underneath them, you know, instead of like lanky bean poles with artificial light that kind of want to flop over like a bean sprout, you know, leggy. So yeah, it's good, good stress. And another thing I found too, you're talking like terps and, and um, in the sun grown arena here for Maine with, when it comes to like the terps and the hash that we're seeing, Michigan, another one with the water rich, ambiently water rich state, humid, a lot of water around and a more northern climate than what I'm seeing or thinking is, you know, I kind of get this idea that the trichome is kind of shrouded or enveloped in this environment that's very much more humid even in general than what you have like a like a humid bath in a way environment versus very dry in some other places where sun-grown cannabis is produced, you know, for kind of like in Cali even maybe where heavy yields, not saying the hash isn't great either. I'm just saying from what I'm finding here and seeing some, you know, people make some really good hash, get some hash wins even out of Maine and seeing some of the hash coming out of Michigan too and some friends that are doing stuff there um, that definitely seeing some really, really, <clears throat> really terpy, um, high grade hash come out of these states, these, you know, these two states and not again, don't know elsewhere what, what else is going on, but it just seems like maybe a little bit of theory of like the environment, environment beings much more humid here that it seems perhaps like a really good, at least nursery kind of suitable environment to raise up uh, trichome you know, to actually have all of the moisture around it for it to just be as, as full as it could be expressed instead of perhaps maybe more like dehydrated, dried up where it's still there, but maybe not as much of the, of the, you know, moisture around it to let it become everything that it can be. It seems like almost in a way, like you're saying, wind brings out the turps. It seems like some of the rain, even, and some of the dew in the morning, definitely that time where you get the dew out here in the, every morning. And when you walk in the garden, obviously the stomata is open certain time, they release and open up. But it's that 
water that comes in every day into the morning here then burns off you know is definitely a, a huge huge difference that you don't i didn't see out on the west coast in norcal where i was growing you didn't have that you know kind of cool wet sweep that always left water on the plants every morning I can appreciate that as well. Um, I, I bet it does have something to do with uh, bringing a little bit extra out of the plant. Uh, I can definitely see it. That's for sure. And you do make some amazing hash, by the way. If you guys, they've been posting you guys your link through chat all night long. So hopefully you guys hit that link and checked out the page, man. He definitely definitely had some beautiful eyes on this page um so thank you can you keep going with with your grow here uh definitely sounds like you've got uh head on straight with uh your your growing style and technique here so another thing i've kind of heard you or i took note of earlier when you spoke is kind of uh letting the plant full term or ripen uh i don't think enough people or growers actually appreciate or even know about the the, the ripening <laughs> or the swell phase to be honest with you i think they because of one reason or another and i think it's i you know and again it's all kind of, of opinion on when to harvest peak flavor and all that but uh the clear to cloudy side of things i kind of think that was yeah that is maybe peak peak for maybe flavor but i think it was more push for color to be honest with you at some point uh the lighter color hash kind of you know was the craze so i think they kind of that tended to push what people heard on when to harvest. And I think, and like I said, they kind of cheat themselves by trying to harvest there. And then they're trying to introduce, yeah. uh, especially if they're running artificial newts, uh, bud hardeners and stuff, all artificial ways of getting that swell early on instead of appreciating it. So do you do that for uh, more of a hash reason? Uh, to let it ripen up and swell or, I mean, when did you realize to let the plant necessarily properly ripen up? Was it through the appreciation of hash or was it just organics, proper education? Uh, help uh, help some people understand, uh, you know, why, yeah. why to let that plant go a little bit longer yeah no i'm happy to talk about this actually and like without knocking what's going on because i really don't know but i see some things like you're talking about too in terms of like um color kind of preference being the ruler at least in these early days as you look at this paradigm shifting we're really not that far into anything here in terms of legality and openness with sharing so i really think just like you saw some of the old you know, um, hydrocarbon work kind of go to the side more and more, perhaps, then things just change for one thing. And we, we shift and learn better different ways, you know, and, and 
Um, a lot of people will probably prefer to have taste and effect at some point as we learn more about the plant and more about our enjoyment with it versus just an aesthetic value. And so one thing I would say, and, and the, I, well, first is as we, as I become more familiar with the plant and feel this really good relationship with it, like I was talking about earlier with kind of a, um, getting homeostasis from the plant and trying to give that back to it or, or, you know, have the same symbiotic relationship for well-being together, then I'm seeing the plant for me, I, it's funny because early on in high times back in the nineties, other stuff you're hearing about, you know, kind of like grow 101 says, wait for the pistols to turn red. You know, we used to hear that back in the day, the pistols turn red, it's ripe. And then we heard more about as things change, open up more. No, let's, or, or also, hey, let's look at the trichome, get a magnifying glass out, right? Look at the trike head, see how swollen it is. See if you, when you get on the line of that amber tint is what we used to hear. When you get that amber tint on the trike head, that means you're into ripe. If you let it go fully more amber, you're going to be on a more, what used to be understood, or at least kind of theoried was uh, a more sedative effect. Long, if you're letting it go longer, we're going to have a more like zesty effect on the earlier side of a clear trichead. And then honestly, the truth is I let both of those things go to the side. It became like, as I'm learning more about the plant, learning that the plant gets what it needs without forcing it. Then I'm also learning the kind of the, the philosophy of no fruit before it's time kind of thing. And as a farmer, if we're farming, a ripe vegetable or a ripe fruit, then we're not just gonna go on conventional color code, which is how conventional vegetables and fruits are sold in the grocery store. And I mean, not to, I could go in and talk all, all day, but it could go in different directions, but that's really what has to be different about cannabis versus other produce and other, you know, um, forms of plant that we sell and take into our bodies. So one of those things being is like, as we become more familiar with the plant, whether you're organic or synthetic, then ripeness is a thing of its own that doesn't have to do as much with even the color, the fade, the trike, the pistol, but has to do more with the ripeness of that flower, of what you're growing. So terpene value absolutely makes sense and is so valid because it actually is such a huge thing for the farmer. And if you really know your plants, you're going to have that plant getting, you know, showing you its ripeness, even with your eyes closed. I completely agree. I kind of looking at it as um, kind of, uh, what is the term I'm looking at? I'm stumbling for words here, uh, curing. It's kind of curing, naturally curing when you let it uh, ripen out. It's taking it closer to that phase that you're going to try to achieve later on. That's kind of the way I look at the, that ripening yeah. as well. That's a good, yeah. I mean, you said earlier, you said kind of like cutting to the chase or maybe cheating your way to the to the point of getting it. You know, I don't know how you phrase it, but it was like I, I heard what you're saying and um kind of like not letting it go the distance, getting that when we go talk about the, the hash or hash 
game hash rosin with the the lighter side of it you know and the coloration that's being kind of paid attention to heavily then um i don't know from my experience with it too i found that some of that stuff that i'm trying a few different things around products of really some really kind of good looking and good name products and i'm finding a similar nature just like um, the hash maker friend and i will try and dig in and there's just something to it no matter what company it is that's doing it when it's that fresh frozen freeze dried uh, even between sun grown to indoor i'm you know without and I'm not knocking it because it has its place, but there's something that is just not full effect. And it almost seems like it's like um, a little bit maybe terp hot even, and then goes kind of like away really quick. And the effect isn't as lasting with even. And it, it's just, I'm finding that like maybe some of that fresh frozen freeze dried stuff and not saying all of it, the right one will hit I'm sure and can, but it just seems like it's almost kind of like um, cutting something out in a way. It's just not, it's not a full effect to the product, to the medicine that to ask about it with where I'm like trying, you know, going mature, going to smell ripeness, and then just kind of sticking to SOP for the dry and the cure after it goes to ripeness, whether sun grown or indoor and um, ripe speaking to me here kind of speaking to me even in the end product into the hash into the hash rosin and stuff you know and it's definitely got a different look to it but you know maybe not as juicy and um wet on the look as much but we have some very light colored even air dried um you know hash rosins coming out too pretty much white so in terms of color it can be done with the other side with how we we're doing things too but um, definitely more about a full effect and a full taste value that translates to the smell. And that would just, I'd say one thing that I'm, why I would stick more in a way to what I'm, what we're doing this way is for that taste value to affect, to match the smell that you get from the flower in the first place. And I'm finding like maybe a lot of the fresher or fresh frozen, really kind of like lighter colored quick hashes that they're kind of, they, they, almost leave me hanging a little bit when they smell so good and I don't get the full taste and effect combo to match the, the smell that is even like yelling at me from the jar on some of them. It's like, oh my goodness, is that actually, is it artificial, you know? And it's so loud, it, it can't help but be pleasant. But if it doesn't match in the taste realm in the effect with the taste, then it kind of leaves me hanging as like a, as a patient with it you know and yeah so trying to that's why i stick to fully finish kind of things don't want to get left hanging <laughs> i agree and you know i think a lot of a lot of the thought of people the discussion of flourishing is ignorance of actually growing the plants to be honest with you uh because to think that you're going to take anything back out of that plant <laughs> is silly you know what i mean what are you trying to flush out of the plant you're not going to flush anything out of the plant you know what i mean so that 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 
is a, a terrible misconception, I think. You, you know, if you're trying That's to flush the soil, then I think you're pushing the plant too hard. You know what I mean? Right. And if you're letting the plant necessarily ripen its senescence out, it's taking control and it's stopping uptaking and it's naturally flushing itself out anyway. So I, I just think that, you know, when people talk about the flushing aspect of it, it, it's really, they just don't understand the process or they're not taking it far enough <laughs> to understand that they don't necessarily have to push that flush as hard. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's great. I love what you brought up, man. When you just talked about like flushing the plant or flushing the soil. It kind of gets my wheels turning and like to go back to, you know, something that I found is that when we are more trusting in our approach, as I become more, you know, stubbornly and almost no, no other way in a way besides the organic thing, you know, that I become also really much more trusting and then breeding behind it for like the own our, my own strains our strains work for flour and for hash has become also like a deeper understanding with it to to um really get trusting of my own approach and my method with the farming to where i know that the plant choice is good and a, a keeper and then i know the the rhythm and the technique in it is very rinse and repeat reliable and like we're committed to it. There's that trust bond formation with the plant that the plant knows this by now as we communicate together. So it's really one of those that I've, we have a good thing, some of us going with this plant and we get the trust back from the plant that we give the plant for what we put in and our what we're putting in as we learn to do this with our life also is becomes more solid. It becomes more staple and simplified and we then start to focus more perhaps than I have on if we're going to be, you know, feeding or revitalizing, adding life, bio input, I'd call it more than feeding. We're kind of on that feed value mentality. And we're really, and I, me included, watching the plant for so long. That's because we're supposed to. The plant's teaching us. We're supposed to start there. But as we get into deeper meaning and the trust formed with the plant, we know that the plant and the plant knows us that, that what we're doing, that we actually probably start to pay more attention to feeding the roots, the, what the roots of the plant, what's going on below, you know, the soil level in the rhizosphere. We know it's alive down there and the plant is showing us this one thing, a show on top of the soil, which is amazing like literally so amazing that we get even me included caught up within it just like mono focus and adoration and people kind of will know what i'm talking about right it'll click and be like that is we love cannabis you know yeah and just like thank you and and on that note it's like once we trust that it fully provides for us we give back to it we got a really good thing going some of us have this and the people that benefit from us with this relationship, some of us have with this going and feeling so good with it is amazing. It's, you know, it's exponential. It reaches so many people and they feel their life pick up from it. Even simple medicine that's so deep with like their day is brightened, you know, but then again, back to it, we're starting to learn more maybe 
about like paying attention where we trust the planet impresses us and we don't probably impress it, but it trusts us, you know, maybe, but if we can start to actually, you know, think about the soil, what's going on down there, what happens when the lights turn off, um, how alive is it, my feeding, what, you know, what am I feeding? And if I'm not looking as much at the plant and more about like trust and what's going on below or within, anyway, I'm trailing off, but that's kind of, um, I think related to what you asked me. <laughs> It's late. <laughs> no, and I love the trail loss, man. It, it shows the genuine passion that we have for the plant. You know what I mean? And that's why when in the beginning you kind of asked, uh, you know, is there, you know, a format or whatever? No, no, because I love the, I love the strays. You know, I just, I, I tend to love to watch people run with with their passion. You know what I mean? And no, no matter where it may be, to be honest with you. And kind of tying into a little bit with what you're talking about there, that relationship with everything. And we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, that special bond with the plant, the cultivation. You know, when I dove into the soil, the mycology side of things, that's where it, I, you know, I, I, it's such a deep hole as it is, but the, I, the mycology side of things really sucked me in uh, 100%. And I don't think I've ever left that room, that door, to be honest with you, because the, the relationship uh, with us, the soil, you know, our gut biome, the relationship that we have with everything is incredible. You know what I mean? Uh, how you, it is true that we do have a second brain in our gut and all that good shit. But it's that once you kind of make that direct correlation to things, it's uh, very strong and very cleansing, I think, to be honest with you. And with kind of talking about that, I've one of my dreams, or I hope it's a lot of other people's dreams as well, is I know in the 70s, they kind of realized that horticulture had uh, a lot of amazing benefits for like PTSD, uh, recovering addicts and sh stuff like that. And I would like to see it kind of come back to that. E even through, I noticed that you're a hemp farmer as well, uh, nonprofit, maybe hemp farmers trying to get recovering addicts or recovering uh, people out of criminal backgrounds, try to get them to reach themselves, you know, kind of retouch, you know, uh, would be awesome as a recovery uh, type setting for people. Uh, so I hope this cannabis goes forth, man. Somebody digs in and does a nonprofit along that lines of helping people recover that way you know i think that would be an amazing way instead of sending people off to these detox super expensive detox camps where they 90 percent fail i think uh something right. like what we're talking would have a much uh better recovery rate uh, turnaround rate to be honest with you uh, oh, I, I agree with you i mean yeah it's putting people on more drugs and expensive you know um 
place to get back on to more different drugs the you know pharmaceutical base after already having a problem what doesn't seem very efficient or proactive really in a way so i think that this could help and does help even already more and more and more um i'd like to be able to share this land someday in that way obviously need some more uh stimulated uh income here we're doing that as we can and i'm i've been independent here myself all all still so we're getting getting there as we can but i uh, intend to share this with people and not sure exactly how or exactly who but the idea of helping people that could recover you know from whether it's um addiction or even abuse you know, type of thing, one probably in either realm or both. Um, talking to a friend of mine uh, that just bought a farm actually up in Northern Maine that would like to turn it, his place into, he just bought in the last year into something like that. And uh, hopefully be able to help him with permaculture, some of the gardens, polyculture beds and some medicine, both cannabis hemp go into that, maybe get some help with this friend or other friends into this happening here more and more and always happy to share um tour camp out come visit type stuff with people too if they wanted to needed to reach out to have some time at the farm you know come get a breath of fresh air if they're simple needed to camp you know not an open invite to all but a, a need basis of course but you know the farm's open for that, and as it's simple, and hopefully someday it gets a little more complex to where it can be shared more. And then, you know, genetics too. I'll be. I'm hoping to release some even in on onto the public market perhaps this year. But I I have some genetics for yourself if you reach out to me or some you know donation for people in need here and there. Um, small team, but happy to help and want to help i think that's what you're getting at is recovery and how to help is what this plant does it helps in so many ways direct medicine help is real 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 deal beyond any really and then you can see it's the, the healing of the nation the economic healing that it brings you know can obviously be, be misconstrued into greed but ultimately it's a economic healing of the nation that it brings with it and um, a lot of a lot of good in medicine for the people in, in small to large in various ways, you know. So. so just a quick uh, check, man. How are we doing? Because I'm having, I'm loving this conversation. Oh, dude, I, I could honestly pick your, pick your, pick your uh, brain for quite a while. So I just want to be a little bit respectful, make sure I'm not overstepping because I'm ready to walk with this conversation for a bit, if you are. So just kind of no, check I'm, it I'm good with it. Hey, thanks for being respectful about that. You know, I, yeah, I took a nap before I got on. I almost, you know, missed the, the time, but I was able to pop up and I'm kind of, as you can see, get yapping and going. So I think I'm probably just going to grab a little water and I'm good to just keep talking. Um, looks like my friend's going to help me get my wet my whistle and uh, i don't want to keep you up either man you know so same back and forth you give me oh, the no. cue or i'm feeling oh, no. yeah i'm i'm actually twisting up another no 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 i right told well, i <laughs> 
Right on. No, no, no. I I mean it when I when I told you before the show that the usually uh, the show is open from eleven thirty to four twenty every night. So if it, that's and I do it every night. So basically, this is you know I'm cutting to the chase and kind of bannering a little bit. So this is how things work around here. Is basically we I do the one on one. And then if the show doesn't go to the 420 mark, because a lot of times, man, these conversations take off and you really just don't realize how, you know, the time, you know what I mean? So they, a lot of them really yeah. do go that long. But so if they don't, though, uh, basically what happens is uh, I pick up with what I call the weed nerd world. And that's a, like a panel ish type of show where it's only open to past guests. So anybody that is a past guest can join in to the Weed Nerd world at that point and kind of walk me down to the 420 mark uh, every night. And a lot of nights even past that. So, uh, yeah, you're not overstepping with me at all. Okay. And like I said, I'm enjoying this conversation 100%. So as long as me you're too, in your role, I'm ready. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I, this is great. I'm actually enjoying it too. It's good to get to know you, and and I'll have to check the panel out too. I'm not very techy, but that sounds really cool, and I'd like to check it out. Yeah, we'd love to have you. That's for sure. But uh, kind of trailing on with uh, the grow and hash, and as we kind of ban around a little bit, can I show one of your pictures of hash that I've been drooling on? Uh, a little bit here Please all do. night long as I've been kind of looking at your page um, is this one right here in the middle of the multicolored uh, <laughs> this I mean we we talk about color I mean this has got every color that I would want in there and it just it looks so beautiful I mean that is oh, some you. amazing work right there uh, thank yeah. you so much color man. what color what that's what i say to that that's a beautiful specimen uh so yeah we got some you. that's a good air dry good good air dry it's got the oxidation you know on the crust of of the hash that really swirls and bonds well that is beautiful it makes like we call it tortoise shell even at times um i can tell you what cultivar that is that's a, a strange mask that I bred a few years back. So that's that gas mask of mine that I crossed to uh, uh, Clementine cookies I made out west called Clem cookies, a uh, forum cut on a Clementine, and then a trop cookies in on that with a Skittles back cross one. So that was a uh, Clem cookie, trop cookie, Skittles BX on my gas mask. And it makes some kind of really unique resin on that one that's what you tried this resin here man and chad is now drooling as well uh one of the comments in chat is uh they want to know uh and the cupcake wrapper is is that even made of hash uh is what they're no, asking somebody about asked, the no of course not somebody asked me that i guess it's a realistic question when i first heard it on the front on madam's you know hash porn thing i was kind of thought it was a crack but um, I can see where people might think it is because the rest of it, I guess, looks pretty quite real, you know, but that's definitely not the wrappers not made of hash. That was um, like a mini peanut butter cup candy wrapper, you know, type of 
like um, I don't need doily little little paper, you know, crinkle paper that you put in there. Um, it helps for one thing; it makes it look more real for sure. But it also kind of like helps when you're touching the hash or moving it around for instead of just muckling onto the the hash. But it it's not made of hash. The paper part. Yeah, well, that goes to show you they're already looking up and down that page. Well, we're <laughs> so. Oh, great, man! I'm I'm happy people like it. You know, um, I don't know if you guys can see this one. I posted it in the story tonight. Let me see. You might be able to get a look on it through the camera here. Is this guy gonna show? So that's a one ounce ball of the Shoki mask. It's in the story if people are checking it and interested, you know, um, get a little bit more of a look there. But that one was just actually just rolled up here today. And we're getting, like I was saying, really excited about that Shoki mask. It's making some amazing hash. So a lot of mask derivative, um, just excellent hash plant. Greasy hash, really greasy hash. I'm adding like the the taste component onto the onto the greasy hash. It's got a taste realm of its own from the headband kosher mac. For sure, it's really good. But um, I'm picking it up even more, kind of like technical fruit forward hash back kind of thing. Exploring some stuff, new Thank you. Glad you appreciate the traditional and some of that like air dried traditional work that people are liking it. Oh, well, most definitely. So uh, before we kind of tie into uh, what I wanted to ask you about that, um, I think uh, it kind of relating back to what we were talking about, uh, the old argument of like indoor versus outdoor uh, what makes it better? I think the ripening is some of that. What we're talking about is what people, the difference. Um, basically, well, obviously, the beautiful sun environment had played some roles. The stress, like you're talking about, of a nice wind play a key feature. Uh, uh, but I think a lot of that is when you're letting it grow outdoors, you're letting it go for as long as you can. You're grateful for every day that you're, you're getting. You know what I mean? So you're letting it ripen out as long as you can to where indoors it's more or less for a lot of people, shamely, by the calendar. You know what I mean? They're not necessarily letting it ripen out like they would outdoors. So I, yeah. I think that's a lot of what they're missing from indoor to outdoor. What are your thoughts? That's a big, I'd say, yeah, I think it's a big part of it, man, definitely, as you're right about the schedule versus the ripeness by feel and smell and look and, you know, by the day in the sun-grown world. Um, indoors, definitely, even for us on a schedule, even though we're riding it to ripeness, you know, it's still got a schedule and then it fits the schedule. Um, seeing a lot of difference, though, to share for years of of hashing, pressing, 
uh, indoor versus or along without, and we wash batches, you know, weekly of indoor and outdoor each week still, you know, so we get to really actively see it, especially after last year's outdoor season into what it's washing like now. And the washers are going really well. Um, I see a picked up smell and taste kind of thing and even picked up grease factor even into plants that aren't as greasy on the indoor where you know indoor will be very much more strain specific for the greasy hash and you know i'm sure some people know what i'm talking about where it's like you have the dumpers for hash you know some are really tasty dumpers too but maybe more dry powdery that that will work well into a light light colored tasty rosin you know, but in terms of like hash and especially this kind of traditional hash form, like the one you showed, even it's that grease quality that really does that, you know, the the feel and texture to it being like the one you showed there. Um, that's one of the greasiest hash types I've ever seen. Maybe the most greasy. It never hardens. It just stays like a blob of grease even um, the whole time. So I'm trying to like into the breeding now actually working on picking up where you got like a good yield dump on the hash and then you got the greasy side on the dump that on the yield and then the next component being the terpene value that profile that's picked up even on top of that so you know because I'm finding those you know just maybe greasy and and big yields still being not lacking smell, but I want further range. I want it to be more defined, more, you know, something really profound on top of the yield and the grease. So I'm working on some breeding into that kind of thing to try to check some boxes into the future more and more. Hash breeding. Oh man, that's a, that's a tough balance right there to be honest with you because it's, I want to say it's like a misnomer, basically. Um, so what I mean by that is I think it's kind of a trade-off. You know, we're trying to catch the trichome bits, yeah. right? So obviously yeah. we're searching for a high, a high THC number by testing, which I think is right. the trade-off. I think in that yeah. high THC content, we're losing a lot of the fats and lipids, the grease, you know what I mean? That we I do don't even necessarily find in some of the mid to moderates, you know? I think you're right on. Do you? I, I appreciate it. that. I love this conversation. This is beautiful, man. It's digging into what we talk about in the hash room and been through the hash breeding over the years, especially the last like three years in a row really digging into it since like starting up talking about it more into hash church seeing like other people's interest in into my own and our own man it's like really when you said trade-off is a good way to put it i've really kind of come to realize that i or a way that i look at it is like beings that are alive so plants humans animals we only have so much given energy in a given day and even highly intelligent people considered geniuses even would only have so much energy input for the day to get an output from. And when you look at, so like even the most amazing plants, there's only so much they can do with their on time 
in the photo period and then their off time. So when you're looking at it, the trade-off's a great way to phrase it. I'll use that even too, because the energy seems to shift. And if the energy energy is driven genetically too, seemingly with how the plant has bigger yield, stacking, nodal spacing, um, you know, terpene value, all these things being unique to that genetic type. So I do think it's like a lean off or a trade off for sure. And to go into it, I'm where I was talking to the, you know, the friend in the other room, something like a, a great pie or, you know, a great pie cross we just recently washed. It throws down huge pile of, of grapey resin, you know, really light colored and into the rosin press, especially like good numbers, good yield. But it's a very much more drier um fruit forward we're finding even a lot of like profoundly loud upfront primary terps yell at you early type stuff in the fruit indica realm um <clears throat> finding more of that stuff actually to excuse me sorry my doggy matt do you mind I'm not sure why she's doing that doggy just jumped um yeah, finding that stuff to be a little bit different than or quite a bit different than the hash realm that we're seeing out of like Greece, you know. Um, sorry, lost my train of thought a little bit there. But um, yeah, it's like a trade off. You know, you either get that smell right up front that seems to follow more indica type and not saying every one will be the same, but we're finding a lot of more powdery and uh, fruit forward smelling kind of hash come off of those. And versus like the plants that the energy you can tell went into um the grease portion or you know it's i would say when we're looking for the to go further with it we're looking for the happy merry meeting ground um the balance of all those which is kind of like the beauty and the art and the interest that i have into the breeding is that's probably the excitement level right there is finding trying to create and help create nature to make these plants that we can then find. And now that we're talking hash into hash rosin, full melt into rosin world, we're really looking at that merry meeting ground of terpene meets production meets grease is another factor, not just, you know, yield with taste anymore too. You want that grease factor. And a lot of the hashers out there now, you know, doing good work will know it's that grease component where you could have the taste and the numbers of, you know, of yield behind it with taste, but to get that greasy quality is something that also seems to follow more like the Kush or diesel or fuel types, you know, I'm finding also. So a little bit to like uh, the tech side of things, um, I almost think that a lot of the grease that we see today isn't necessarily um, good cultivars, uh, to be honest with you. I think it's more tech, you know what I mean? Like the jar tech, the, the whipping, and of course the rosin that blends, is smashing the trichomes and kind of forming, <laughs> forming the grease. It isn't naturally harvested harvested you know what i mean i think there's a little bit of a difference there yeah 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 i guess when it comes to the rosin and the tech the you know technique 
um, applied to it definitely seems to do different things. I'm working with it myself to you, you know, find different consistencies and obviously moving the rosin around, pressing on it, pressure, movement, stirring, whipping. If you get at that point, it definitely is chemical or change in the in in it enough so to actually change the state of it even thereafter. And um, yeah, jar tech seems to be going on the thing. I'm I'm less clued into, but I know of a little bit. And you know, maybe a little bit stubborn, a little bit old school. So it looks cool. A lot of it looks really good though, from what I'm seeing. Oh, oh, you I wouldn't change a thing. You're obviously making quite beautiful hash. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's we love what we do. We enjoy it first. Yeah, so so uh again so many great angles of uh, for conversation here but i'm trying to kind of stay somewhat you know down a steady trail here so kind of back to like uh harvesting you know we've walked right through like the brightness of the plants now kind of back to the harvesting you said you kind of like a, a slow air drive and you know Today, nowadays, we have the dryers. I own a dryer. I own and use a dryer. I know that might break your heart as a slow air dry guy. No, I think but great. I, that's great. I think there's like different understandings or different means for what you're wanting to do. Um, I find it's all about kind of preservation, you know, uh, basically. It is a, a living, breathing thing, you know what I mean? And it's living till the very last second there of moisture. It's got a kick to it, you know what I mean? It's searching for life. And so I think it's a matter of how quickly you're trying to necessarily take it from that point, you know, living to preservation. And I find that these dryers necessarily don't do a lot of things that we've, you know, always were taught, you know, about a quick dry, you know, it's a matter of, you know, how they do it, I guess. But uh, necessarily I found in this instance, a quick dry isn't bad. I'm not losing strength, terpenes yeah. or nothing like that. But in totally. somebody like yourself, where you're geared more towards, a hash and again this is you know evolving just like you said earlier on you're still learning from the plants and i can greatly appreciate that as somebody that's in it for quite a long time myself i'm i'm still a kid man learn talking to people and you know doing things myself i'm still very much bright-eyed bushy-tailed and still understanding organics plays has played a whole new key into how I think and understand the plant too. So as far as like drying, a long drying, what I've kind of thought as of lately is I really believe that um, we can, we kind of talked about earlier too, is letting it ripen as being part of the, the long-term curing phase. As you talked about, are you, you I'm wondering in your long-term cure, uh, I think it's still going through the processes of dying off uh, a long-term uh, dry air, dry, leaving 
more material on the plant is allowing it to go through more of a curing ripening phase which i think you're going to tell us about here in a second because there is moisture and uh nutrients in them leaves so you know there is lots of room for it to live for a little bit longer on and go through more terpene phases you know what i mean to finish doing what it should naturally yeah. do it's got gas in the tank so what what's your thoughts on why you do what you do with the the long air drying well um i guess long air dry into hash some of it just being rhythm in the technique being kind of basic actually to be honest and and the the way that we move with it we wash we throw on you know even pizza box tech into baking pans on the drying baking rack you know the poly slip cover and we kind of have a rhythm with it at this point where we're just kind of turning it that way and have um not stuck to, to air drying either by the way and not not knocking the freeze dry we're even ourselves looking into that even right now for even some of it being like the ease of turning out some batches a bit quicker so i'm not totally stuck to the air dry but i will be obviously running my own r d once we do kind of step into it more for you know trial and error and just trying it out you know and seeing if we're retaining the same value versus the air dried on the same strain. So we'll be doing some of that. Um, I do believe in a long, uh, a, a cure, a dry, fully dry and a fully cure process if I had to choose one way, which I don't, but if I, that, that's the way that we go, then I just kind of back to the no fruit, you know, before it's ripe type of thing. And I'm not stuck to it though either. And I definitely see some of the value in trapping the terpene profile when it's fresh and at its peak and then isolating it. So I do understand that. I just would share back some of that finding even different, trying some of the fresher hashes that there's really loud bark and not as much bite with it. Like the, you know, it's even sometimes so much terp profile trapped up front that it reminds me of some of the flower rosin that I press quite a bit of. And it can be, I press some really light flower rosin, even at like 150 degrees and, you know, get really light, white, creamy, pristine stuff that just looks awesome. And it tastes good, but it's got a really hot in a way, kind of hot a lot of it, the types or strains do with it, at least follow with like a hot terpene burst right up front. And it's got so much terpene value to it from the flower press, especially there, that it actually in a way is almost kind of unpleasant hot up front. So I would share that part. And as I've even today tried like my cured resin hash rosin, fully cured even in the rosin state, you know, on the parchment after press and then collected and then now cured for even weeks in the jar using it. It's just really, really smooth. Um, depends on the strain, obviously, too, very much. But after the strains determine, then that form fully finished, I'm finding to be just very pleasant, very smooth, fully rounded. I get a great effect. The taste is, is um, profound and follows the smell, even almost pops out at me more in the taste than in the smell of the hash up front when I open the jar versus some of the fresher stuff, which is opposite. Like a lot of bark, not as much bite. And I'm finding the fully cured stuff to have even more bite, sometimes having less bark at you up front after full cure. 
you know, kind of settles down on the burst of smell that you get off of on the cured, but I'm getting a really full rounded palate effect and then a really kind of warm, happy hug type of thing feeling. And I guess like this would stray, but in the way that we talk about cool things and one thing leads into another, um, in the hash room today, it came up that one of the things that I see maybe not being talked about enough or focused on when it comes to um, breeding, so much of that going on, especially the breeding going on, and then into the hash and special types being shared as much. You're, you're hearing a lot of boxes getting checked on on hashes and on plants, but one of the things that's kind of maybe not being talked about as much is that overall happy feeling that cannabis brings in general but if you know strain to strain sativa indica hybrid in between there's really certain strains for instance like a headband i've always considered headband to be that like warm happy hug strain it really kind of warms you up it's got that kind of heightened euphoric happy sense where really comfortable and very pleasant to say in the effect realm where it's not you know something where it's just overabundant smell at you less of the effect to make you feel good with that profound sense flare up when you open the resin or check out the flower you know and then you actually smoke it so i think and for me into the breeding and when i'm talking about like the shoki mass that i'm liking the most right now it's got a wonderful skunk GMO taste on it. It drops the best big head hash, really beautiful. Um, but it's got that warm, happy hug strain. It's like a hug from cannabis back to you, you know, like we're friends, like, you know. And That's not every strain does that. It. That's yeah. what we're all looking yeah. for, isn't it? Yeah, sour diesel, headband, yeah, OG Kush, a lot of the gas types, especially where people reach there. I know gas is a popular term, but there's something to it. I found that realm of plant, the chem, the sour, the Kush, you know, especially real deal headband, just like that happy friend warmed strain, you know. Right, uh, with genetics being a key part of it, um, and being a generational uh, cannabis grower, uh, is there anything that's made or uh, you've been lucky enough to uh, inherit from that 50 years of knowledge and a grower experience? Is there something special floating around in the family gardens there uh, still or yet to be untapped? Oh, geez. Um no, I don't know. Just the basic, like, you know, feeling for that approach to farming is really kind of what comes there in terms of like the cannabis, the hash, what I'm doing with it now these days when I show or share with my mom or dad, dad, not as much, but you know, he's, he's on the CBD capsules, you know, he's sold on those. Those are just like total well-being formula and he's into it. And mom's an active user of my cbd tincture and capsules and then a little bit of cannabis with her um something probably more indica sided but they're not as much of the cannabis not none in the garden anymore over there actually um dad's not active grower or even user these days and so that's kind of you know mom's more the one who's actually friendlier with it 
and they actually kind of like the little bit that you know they do partake is is mellow but it's also kind of like they happy to come see me with it in terms of surprises from them i learn from them in their garden all the time my mom grows the most beautiful at home organic garden one of them i've ever seen so it's definitely something in the family for farming that that is just like i'm thankful for um in terms of cannabis i think they come over here i show them pictures i whip out the hash i give mom some good bud you know dad checks everything cbd i flash stuff in front of him and you know i get a lot of wows i get a lot of kind of like not a lot back and a lot of wows so they seem kind of like impressed with how it's going these days and kind of the stuff that i'm doing you know um so just kind of cool to share back like where it's at now then and to the people that i came from and that this kind of came from for me more you know but um I, they're not as passionate you might say as uh passionate about farm life but in and food more really preservation too of food you know is a big thing probably michigan too but maine you know new england and maine in particular is very big food preservation for the winter so it's big into canning and pickling and i get help with that i'm not as keen to it myself but i always get help with that every year and i'm learning more there is what i would share back actually from the garden uh with mom and such you know in in terms of food and preservation certain strains held by her for the veggie garden you know um but yeah we definitely are excited about farming together and they they love seeing the plants alive and come over and see where they're going kind of blown away they seem kind of blown away these days with how how the the cannabis thing is going you know that's awesome that you could share that uh with your parents so in any aspect, a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't have that. So I consider that to be a blessing to be that open with your family about what you do. Very, very grateful, very thankful. You know, mom's a teacher, dad's a biochemist and, uh, you know, and definitely had to kind of like do what they did and hide with it through their years of working otherwise and such too. And I'm, I'm thankful that they're alive, you know, one. And then I'm able to be back here and close by to them and, um, you know, live, help, work kind of thing at times together. And very thankful to come from that background, you know, um, grateful for that history. So, and, and it's kind of like, that's a, a rich main thing, a wealth that a lot of us main folks, maniacs, have here and our root is coming from the land and having to live by it if you live here you know and from generationally then you have some connection to the land and farming one of those states i don't know i'm sure other states run that way as well but if you're generationally from this place then you have if it's not cannabis some connection to the land and and the farm whether it's one near you that you eat from or you know live by or one that you're on making for yourself or others you know and that's just the way we've gotten by here for a long time and to talk about it it's one of the things that gives places like maine um kind of what would be an edge in my opinion in the new day when you're looking at the cannabis industry to kind of shift into that 
you know, realm of talk where we're like, you know, we're all culture, but there's also this industry at hand that's moving forward and the paradigm shifting really, really quickly. And we're definitely seeing the days of corporate canna kind of take the structure that it has with what I've seen out there. Admittedly, it'd be a lot of disappointment on behalf of the real heads that hold this beer, you know, seeing it go that way, what is seen maybe more, but everything has a reason and a way and and uh, and a way out and a way to be different. So I feel like if things happen to look not so good in the way that they've gone, that's just enough quick reason and a big enough one too for it to just be handled differently. So I can't help but wonder at what point did, uh, did you wanna take on the breeding? Was it for cannabis? Uh, what made you want to turn that corner? Oh, man. I mean, just early, early interest from when I first saw cannabis come from a seed. You know, just that intrigued me right away. And to see the pull from it and such, you know, activity around, like even when I went out west, it was such a heavy demand for clones, for cuttings. You know, and I did a lot of that work out there as a younger guy coming in new out there is kind of how I, I made my way was with my seed breeding and genetics that I held collection and ability to rear up from seed nursery, designate, keep and cut back and provide. So that was kind of taken just secondhand kind of nature thing here in Maine. You got to make your own way again, like no one's going to do it for you. You're going to have to make your own way. Um, I also spent a little, uh, some time early on, like 19, 20 years old into Amsterdam and then back again collectively, you know, a month or so, you know, spent over there a month, month and a half. And that kind of, you know, it, it tweaked, it piqued my interest and, and I became definitely more um, heavily interested in it. Not for the commercial side either is the interesting thing, like, you know, this year I might do some or looking at public release actually for some, you know, what would actually be some monetization for the genetics as another revenue stream for a farm that's kind of a small batch farm here and small teams. So it would be good for us to do that. But I've never done the seed breeding for profit. And I've always just been interested in it as you ask, like, the real reason is just to find the best plant that I can have for me to enjoy first. And then being this is my business and my life and my livelihood obviously translates to so the best plants that suit me will also be the best plants that will suit the us, you know. And um, that's the mission with the breeding. It's always been, even up to right now, just been single source oriented, just to feed back into my own program on a constant turn evolution of finding the, you know, the best plant, helping the plant along too. That's awesome. And they eventually, uh, I'm sure, come with a staple strain for Best Friend Farms as well. So I think that'll be something cool to be able to tie in with the name as well someday. Something that may, you know, transcend. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I love your train of thought. I thought about that a little bit myself of um, some of the naming and, and the strains coming forward. So what uh what strains have you been uh, blessed to work with? 
either with a breeding or just as medicines or whatever, which ones have you been some gems? Um, geez, um, as I keep mentioning, Headman, of course, has just been like an all-time favorite. Um, <clears throat> I love being back out east here and doing this like smaller program, medical and caregiving, even though it doesn't leave me a lot of room for the breeding, which I'd like to have more. It allows me to actually be explorative in um, creating strains and providing them back in a smaller craft like kind of industry market here versus like a larger industry where you know out california before it went legal there all the way and it was more medical gray area days it still followed a structure from what i was at least involved in to where you know it was very much a strain specific market where you know first in out there it was perps it was the perps which i've you know these days i guess are big on color again it comes and it goes it's in a wave even something five ten year trend pattern on return just like sour d and other stuff that wave back even quicker you know but purple was the thing out there when i went and it was a, a lavender cut so hum perps is you know called and from what i found out lavender cut then it shifted quickly actually right into og kush and i kind of played around with a lot of different cushions out there like over half a dozen came to the one um southern humble circulation cut true og cut that i think that one lasted for me for six seven years out there and then like the last few years before i came back it was cookies you know when all cookies and um so back out here it's just been nice to be able to explore and jump back in i did bring back some i was able to do some good breeding between you know like uh west coast and then bring it back out here with me introduce it into the program out here you know and and tie in kind of west meets east and the interesting part with that is it kind of turned my breeding around or different was i had you know terpy hash maker strains out there with some of the younger friends that had come into the garden to work with me to turn you know early garden to hash rosin gardens that we did even seven years ago or so you know and, and it was started to turn me towards like almost the complex fruit terpene profile you know and away from just like a cookie or a kush or i even ended up doing something to carry back from out west back to maine that i, that I was calling you know fruit forward cookie back and then the interesting thing is i found is that in the state of maine at least you know a type like a cookie um any really has like a harder chiseled structure to resist moisture not like a sponge more like a hard cush and and found it to be more resistant while holding the color too and not oxidating you know oxidizing really quickly here like a cush type or a fuel type will do outside anywhere so i like the color hold on the cookies and then the terpene profile up front you know fruit forward cookie back thing um i've got a constant turnover of strains and a whole new list of seedlings on the table right over here gone that i'm just stoked for right now all new stuff hard to tell what will be exactly you know the the most keeper my friend that's visiting tonight actually dropped me a bunch of these new new beans or you know gear he had that he like thought i might like and um really excited about the was it black domina super skunk from ak bean brains 
Dave Pope, and then got some Cough BX1 um, from Relic, and I think Dave Pope came in on that with him too, with those guys. And what else do we have? Some some Katsu Sour Best Shit Ever on the Romulan. Really pumped. Those are the most vigorous out of all of them, actually, of this collection. Um, ran some Duke's gear, some some Dominion Seed Co. Local Skunk, Dominion G's popped. Um, I turned my Gas Mask Clone Mom onto some some kind of like uh, fruit forward or technical fruit profile. So I'm going for some um, pineapple gas mask and some cherry gas mask. I've got a pineapple fields and a cherry chem edition. And then I'm going back to my holy road that I made a few years ago that where a few of us are really, really excited for. It's actually been shared to a friend in Michigan that sent some out to Cali and had some really good turn on the old uh, was it Holy Road? I got Holy Road by Gas Mask going right now. My Holy Road is my Angels Tangy West Coast um, NorCal Tangy cut on my Angel Food cake from way back. And then I I guess I crossed it into a Chem Dog or a Chem 91 back cross one. So out to SFE back to 91 thing. So Chem 91 BX1 on my Angels Tangy. I'm looking for like that really, again, like profound, greasy meets fruity meets a good yield for the hash, you know, makes good flour too. And um, God, I could go on and on about the, yeah, the tons of strain stuff just, just going on more and more and more. Super excited about it all the time. Keeps me really like jazzed up on on the plan is turning the new strains and trying them. Not just breeding them, but getting to try them. Just need more space and more room <laughs> or something to be able to grow. Laws to change to be able to grow whatever the heck I want, you know? Oh, man. I think the coveted space uh what we all wish we had as growers, that's for sure. Be able to keep more of that. That was the first so name to you, my first little... Go ahead, sorry. I was just going to ask you if you kept miles or if... Uh, and strange, you keep, do you prefer to keep miles or just continue to pop seeds? And how do you keep your miles if you do for big girls? Uh, keep big mothers or more of a cup system as people like myself tend to run? I actually do. I keep them smaller myself. I don't keep big old moms. Um, kind of shied away from that years ago even and found them to be the host to unhealthy type of activity often and a fresher turnover. Um, easier to keep them visually clean and, you know, um, even correctly yeah clean through ipm and everything but um so i like smaller myself and and i tend to turn them over which you know obviously goes generation after generation to keep it but i do keep moms back not a lot of them i turn quickly sometimes it's a little sad because you get like a call back or for a plant that people really do like a lot almost maybe love but i pay attention the ones that are loved i will hold back and that and at least for a while and then people will enjoy it and then it's kind of like time to move on unless it's really profound 
and I'm super picky. So it's like the, the gas mask has really become the one in the stall that is like my, my thoroughbred, my, my alpha mom, you know, per se. And that one will always stay around with us. And I'm carrying back <clears throat> a few different ones. The Shoki mask is in the stall now too. It's just a personal favorite. So the gas mask rules, you know, really well liked in the marketplace and it makes amazing hash, the best hash around. So it's like, besides the best hash around or some of it best hash. And then, you know, well liked in the marketplace, well liked in my jar. Um, it's become that breeding cornerstone really for to keep it around for that now has become like it's the one that i'm going to for breeding with the mom and and then also i'm into back cross four getting laid out here this season really um soon here starting it at least so into this season be back cross four and i'll keep going too and just stabilizing and, and testing the progeny from it i'm testing a little little run of back cross two right now to make sure it's on point. I actually found a back cross one gas mask that I like better than the mom. So it seems quite positive so far. And uh, besides keeping her though in the stall, you know, fresh clone of her each, each round or cycling the clones, the cutting um, for retention, I'm also breeding it back and back crossing and just have it retained that one line that way. And then a few others as I, you know, move through them, produce them. I think we'll typically produce even into the indoor realm, like a like a um, three cycle hold on types that are really well liked. And then I'll kind of move on. I'll provide it once, twice, maybe a third time. And then I'm on to like kind of shifting things out. Gas mask always stays around, but I don't hold on to clones though i'm not a, a, a like have to hold on to them and a bunch of different ones forever i got a lot of plants around but a lot of them are newer plant turn with a few couple few select you know older keepers and i keep it pretty fresh and try to turn it over and i also i've been away from taking plants from anyone for for like years here you know um, too many issues with taking plants and so too many unhealthy issues to have to work through, work around and get over. So, um, sometimes I'll take a, you know, and I'd be apt to take like a prominent type for breeding into the outdoor sector. And, and if it was something I didn't, you know, trust, try to clean up and then breed back to it. But I really don't do too much of that at this point. I'm just like, you know, interbreeding with what stock I have and then what seeds I either would acquire or get handed and, and work into those collections for F1. And happy to. Yeah, I definitely feel you about not wanting to take in some clones there. Uh, just... I think, I think one thing as well is like the risk that we take as far as uh, pests and disease is um, acclimation time in a clone. You know, where you've taken it from, how long, you know, you can take a clone out of an or, uh, artificial nutrient system, cocoa, 
and throw it in organics and it isn't necessarily going to bang that first time around. Sometimes it takes a couple of times of growing in that organics for it to really come yeah. around if it does. You know what I mean? So there's that learning curve with taking in a clone too, as well as the risks of, you know, the latter there that you pointed out too, I think. Yeah, the plants definitely change, even organic into organic, you know, uh, that, to bring it up. We're talking about like retaining and saving, you know, strains and cloning and keeping it back. I'm definitely obviously finding that, that we're working with all poly hybrids, really, almost everyone at this point. Um, you know, so it becomes there's so much genetic variation and in stray even within generation to generation, you know, and as you pay attention to that and we lock in on these good types, you know, some change actually for the better, you know, sometimes, I, I don't know how often, uh, almost maybe more rarely change for the better, truthfully. And then a lot of times they do, they, they fall off or they change enough to where they're away from, you know, the original to where it's you can see the genetic stray in the poly hybrid, you know, in the generations thereafter. And yeah, probably dependent upon obviously environment, so many different factors in the algorithm, you know, in terms of where it was cut, when, um, a lot I don't know, but I know I see the change as a, as a grower, as a farmer and breeder, you know, and, and then certain types, you know, that really hold in there, pretty stable, keep being the same, um stray maybe a little bit or almost in a way kind of get almost better you know and you like it as much or more so yeah finding that to happen quite a lot too and i'm hoping that uh, the answer to our space problem is uh tissue culture you know it's coming yeah further and further i'm hoping at some point it's gonna be a home scale or an in-house thing to necessarily where we can keep our own genetics safe without having to turn them over to a bigger company and fear what they may or may not do with it uh, i hope that may in, in the future be our answer to space right there is being able to just test to them and move on bring them back when needed yeah i'm hoping to have a little tissue culture closet here uh this year built into the barn so i got a friend of mine that went and trained up last year and he's ready you know wants to build the hood and and get the the little room going somewhere clean over here and kind of like thinking towards even more nursery provision some of it into the future too, besides just the seeds of, of I'm actually um, waiting right now for my state nursery license for us to sell seedlings now, cuttings, clone seedlings under medical. We have to have the state nursery license. And, you know, since I'm going forward to get it and actually kind of getting more serious about it, too, with, you know, already preemptively a year or so ago, um, kind of advised a friend to get tissue culture trained up. And, and kind of looking to do this provision of plants back to people the right way. And for our own, of course, first, and just for medicine first, to have it healthy 
and then I'm also running some testing, getting testing done, you know, as we speak right now on types that could be provided out or will be for viral testing, even though they're, they're in-house types or they're seeds. Some of them I've started from other people or my own, but they're all from seed types that I'm even just making sure the credentials are behind them. I know they're clean, but you know, new day kind of being able to have it, you know, backed up into tissue sooner, as soon as we can and then um, test results behind it to show the clean plant line. So getting there. We'll see you guys yeah. for uh, being ahead of the curve and uh, keeping that, you know. I'm, trying to stay I'm with it. <laughs> That's awesome. Trying to man. stay with how, it. How much of yeah. a happy dance did you do with the, the newest ruling there from the feds as far as being able to ship clones? Is, going into that business i bet you guys did a nice little happy dance with that decision it's beautiful it's beautiful i'm not i mean that's obviously i guess some of the stuff we're doing right there could be you know lend into that someday so really happy to hear about that happening and then just the idea of easing up on seeds passing lines and stuff too you know which everyone was doing anyway for years and years and years we know that but now just kind of being more free and clear about it, that's actually kind of like the push to go ahead a little bit for me too, to be able to feel more comfortable, you know, with public release at this point, being able to mention it, talk about it, promote it even at the right time, you know? So yeah, I'm really excited about it. Like I said, even kind of looking to form in the right way. I've always been very stubborn independent. So just trying to like, you know, not be that as much into the future while letting things allowing and letting things open up if they if they can. So, you know, the right portal for approach or release, even whether private or whatnot for seeds will, you know, we'll figure that out. We've got some good collections of them even building up just library of genetics that kind of need to get shared more and more. So, um, excited about it definitely and and just completely excited always about finding those the new plant you know not not stuck on the old but see the potential for certain types to hang in there you know um, but anyhow so i'm just kind of checking in we've I've been another hour since i've checked in since the last time and Man, again, I was I just thinking that. Yeah. No, I think I could stray and go and go and go for days, man. Um, I can feel I'm definitely getting a little draggy and maybe not as uh, not as on point and focused. So I could keep going. But I think, you know, if you're good with it, I, I um, anything else you'd like to discuss, too, or if people have any questions, too, for me or for us or anything i'm happy to address or a topic of uh, interest or concern anything well i do understand it is a little bit uh, past your normal uh time and you do have company and i, I do like to be mindful and I, I i hope this has been an excellent meeting i hope this isn't our last uh go round at this I, that's you yeah, I hope we get to do this again. That was my hope, too, not to interrupt you. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. I hope to do this again. And if I try to if I try to squeeze the turn up 
for everything right now, it kind of leaves for a harder second go round. So I'm good with uh, signing off for, at this point and saving some for another night when you're fresh and uh, okay. want to go at it. And so, heck, yeah, uh, I'm totally down. And yeah. thank you very much for taking, giving me another second chance at coming on and doing one of these episodes. It's been a pleasure, man, for real. And before, well, let the things before you go here is well that we kind of already went through. The Zoom, the Zoom link that uh, I did send you this evening is your Zoom link for the Weed Nerd World. Uh, basically, Monday okay. nights is a guaranteed Monday night uh, is a Weed Nerd World. The other nights, uh, usually uh, Wednesday nights, is uh, we're trying to get a West Coast takeover. So it's starting a little bit earlier on the Wednesdays. Other than that, they're random. Anytime you see We Nerd World in the title, you're more than welcome. You no know, invitation needed. Just hit that link, come pop in and hang out with us, talk cannabis, and uh, have some fun. Great. So with that being said, keep that somewhere safe. We look forward to seeing you, as well as I'd love to do another one-on-one with you. This has been awesome. Uh, the last thing I'd like to get from you before you go is uh, a silly thing I call the sound bite. Basically, what I'm looking for, my version, and uh, is something along the lines of, hey, this is Eagle, and I am on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 616. At one point, this will be a commercial for your episode. Feel free to put whatever you want in the before after that as long as it's kind of got that somewhere in the body i'd be more than grateful and i am ready this meeting is being recorded (laughs) i never heard it on your end that i've had that before so can i give you a little plug is what we're looking to do here is that good for you absolutely yes please I hope I get this right, but yeah, this has been uh, Best Friend Farms, been chatting it up with talking shit with with Eagle here, and it, this has been a great episode. Um, excuse me because it's late on what number episode this was, uh, but I'm really, really stoked to have joined in and hope to do this again. Any uh, thank yous, shout outs? Uh, make sure and include where they can find you, uh, get in touch before we go. Oh, I just, you know, thank you to everybody that loves this plan and loves, you know, the real side of the culture and appreciation for cannabis and everybody along the way, there's anyone who's helped me or anyone that I can help. Thank you. And the opportunity to speak about the plant from my heart doesn't always happen. So appreciate everybody that um, gave gave a care, and the thank you, Eagle, for the opportunity for to get on here and chat it up, and talk real real shit, you know. Well, I I think that people need to actually know the great people in the cannabis community a little bit better. So, and this was not a disappointment by any means. And thank you for your time sincerely uh it's been a great introduction so uh can't thank you enough so with that being said we might as well wind this up for you guys watching thank you for your time 
Uh, hopefully you will join me in the Weed Nerd world here in a few minutes. If not, thank you for your time. Thank you for tuning in. I know from watching you in chat, you have enjoyed this episode. Please go follow this great gentleman over on his Instagram, uh, Best Friend Best Friend Farms. You can find him over there. And uh, please do, by the way. And for the rest of you guys that are done for the evening, thank you. You guys know the deal. Random acts of kindness do save lives. Don't be afraid to do something nice for somebody. One last thank you, Best Friend Farms, for your time. We are out of here. Good night.